Good morning, friends. I hope you know, remind you that you are loved and that it is a blessing to be a part of your family, a blessing to be a part of First Friends Church, and you make my day every day by your love and by your presence, by your prayers, by your faithfulness to your church, by your faithfulness to our family, and we are just so thankful for you this morning. I hope that you know that. I want you to leave here knowing that you are a blessing that you are a source of joy and peace in our life, in the life of our church, in the life of our community. And I know that God has us all here for some very special reasons. And it's just a joy to be with you today and, and just feel your love and feel the Lord's love as we worship together. We're continuing on, obviously, in our series in the book of James, finishing up chapter 4. Only one more chapter to go. And uh, then we are on to um, other pastures, not necessarily greener ones, but other pastures as we worship today. But as we finish up this pastor, as, as Ted said, it's, it's a difficult uh, place. It's a difficult section um, because it seems to have been written to people of commerce and people involved in, in trade and travel. And, and as we think about the scattered church that James is writing to, that's not necessarily the group that I pictured as, as I have, have, have pictured the early church as they received this letter. And so as I studied this week, it became apparent to me that though the first take of that passage is that it's written to people of trade, uh, what, what I've come to believe and, and, and agree with those writers who tend to feel like James is just proposing a situation. He's using the example of a kind of trade, a kind of situation in order to teach us about following and believing in and, and looking for the will of God. As we, as we study together this morning. So I'd like to caution you to never look at a passage of Scripture and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Never do that. Ever, ever, ever. The Bible was written completely, all of it, for you, amen? Every single passage, every single word was meant for you, and it was meant for me as a gift from God. And we live in a culture that doubts so much. Everyone calls everything fake news anymore. And every religion is the same, and every God is the same, and that's simply not what the Bible says. That's not why Jesus came to die. And so we are here this morning to look at a passage of Scripture that was written, whether we came here this morning believing it or not, for each and every one of us. And I want to use myself as an example of how the Lord kind of processed this home for me as we thought about this passage together, I'm not a traveling businessman. I didn't go this week, or I wasn't thinking this week of setting up a booth somewhere and making a bunch of money. Um, my job is to get sermons ready for Sunday morning, to ensure that all the music is lined up, and the people leading the prayer and reading the scripture, and you know the lights are on, and make sure all of those things are done. And a lot of you have been delegated those responsibilities, so I don't have to worry about them, and I'm so grateful for you. But our, my my goal and my plans were for this week to get ready for Sunday morning. So the sermon is ready, uh, the people are ready, uh, the Word is ready, that we are ready to come together and worship at times with First Friends Church. And I have heard people use this passage to say, well, we just shouldn't make any plans at all. Have you ever met somebody like that? They've read this scripture and they've taken this so far to say, well, I don't make any plans. I just do whatever God tells me to at the moment if he lets me do anything at all. And so every time you talk to them, you ask, what are your plans for tomorrow? Well, whatever God tells me to do. And, and it doesn't seem like they ever really get much accomplished because God 
gives us dreams, don't you believe? He gives us plans and visions. And so James isn't trying to teach us that we just go on the fly and go on a whim. I think that God gives us passions. He gives us gifts and interests and goals that he wants us to work towards, and we need to be able to do those. If if we just showed up on Sunday morning and I just pulled out of a hat or Robert just said, ah, let's just sing these songs today and see how it goes, I don't know how many of you would still be here. We want to have things planned and prepared and, and ready to go. And so all of that happened. And then um, about 10.45 last night, I was kind of thinking about how things were going and how the wind was going. And I was like, I don't know if we're gonna, things are going to go the way that we had planned. <laughs> because the power went out, at least in our area, like it did, I saw on Facebook for several of you. And I didn't know with, with tens of thousands of people being without power at that point, if the lights were going to come on today, tomorrow, next week, I really didn't know. And I thought, huh, that's a little bit what James is thinking, is we can make all of these plans and have all of these goals lined up and have everything, every I dotted and T's crossed. But if God plans, that's the way it's going to be. And so I thought, well, Lord, how are we going to do this? You know, we could do a couple acapella songs with the guitar, figure something out, and and probably not have Sunday school because rooms that are half dark won't be good, very conducive for learning and for reading and teaching. And and I just kind of put that on Facebook. I was like, whatever the Lord wills is what we're going to do. And then a few hours later, the lights came back on, and and the Lord kind of taught me a picture lesson of what James is trying to say. He wants us to have passions and dreams and goals and things to work for and things to live for, but at the end of the day, only one person's God, and it's not you and it's not me, it's him. And whatever God wills is going to be the way it is. And so as we journey together at First Friends Church this morning, looking at the word together, there's just this phrase that I found this week that powerful for me as, as setting the tone for what I want to help us look at for a few minutes together about what James is trying to say. And it says, God's will, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Can you say amen with me? Amen. That is so potent and so powerful. And I can't tell you how many times this week that I pulled that up on my phone or on my computer and just reread it and said, Lord, that is so good. That is so rich. May that be true in each of our lives. So the trick for James in this passage is that he was writing to a group of people that that for some of them at least, or he wouldn't have written this, that wasn't necessarily the case. And so what James is trying to to talk about is, is how we approach our future, our plans, and how we approach God's future for us and God's plans for us, and are the two aligning together. And so there, there are three attitudes in this passage that I want to share with you real quickly this morning about, about how we approach the will of God, and James deals with each of those. And you'll see the first one up on the screen is that there really is this kind of attitude that we can come together with before God and before the future with kind of a discounting attitude about it. And what I mean by that is if you read the passage in the book of James, um, He's kind of quoting their attitudes by saying, this is what we're going to do. Tomorrow we're going to go to this city, and we're going to do this, and we're going to make money, and we're going to get rich, and everything's going to be grand, and we're going to go to the next place, we're going to make more money and get more rich, and we're going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and this is all the things that I'm going to do. And nowhere in any of that conversation do you hear the word Jesus, do you? 
God isn't mentioned once in the plans or the conversations. It is all about what I want and what I need and what I'm going to do. And God just isn't even a part of the picture at all. He's discounted in the very beginning about any of the choices that we're going to make. And it isn't about the kind of business that we do. That's not what James is getting at. It's not if we have a business at all. It is about the business of our heart. And the business of our life is that only God knows what tomorrow holds. And it was ironic to me. I don't know. Did you get attitude in this passage? I got some attitude from James. I don't know if you're used to reading the Bible with just kind of a monotone voice. And, and I used to do that until I, I got um, the Bible on cassette dramatized version. And, and, and they, they got to the Gospels. And you remember how Jesus would, would say things like, you brood of vipers? Except the author was like, you brood of vipers! And I was like, Jesus, wow! And those were his words that he, that he said. And, and the, the Bible jumped off the page at me like it never had before. And he, so he says in this passage, oh, you're going to say this, you're going to do that, you're going to go there. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You ought to say, if we live. You don't even know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. You ought to say, if God grants us Don't discount him from the beginning. Don't leave him out of your plans or your dreams or your goals. James is saying that's a mistake. Instead, put him at the center of it all. He doesn't say discount your goals. He's saying make sure that you count God as a part of the plan for your life. And so he says, if we are able to wake up tomorrow, God grants us another day, then we'll go here and we'll do this or we'll do that. It doesn't say to destroy them. It just says to count God into part of the picture of your life. One of my favorite missionary stories in all of history is the story of the Elliott family. And Mrs. Elliott tells a story in one of her books about two adventurers who stopped by her place in the middle of the jungle, all loaded up equipment for the rainforest and exploring. They didn't ask her for advice with the natives. They didn't ask her for safe passage or good directions. They just give us a couple of of phrases to use so that the Indians won't murder us, which I guess isn't a bad question to ask. But this is her her quote about her reflections on that. She said, sometimes we come to God as the two adventurers came to me, confident, and we think well-informed and well-equipped. But has it occurred to us that with all our accumulation of stuff that something is missing? She suggests that we often ask God for too little. We know what we need, a yes or no answer, please, to God. Tell me yes, tell me no, give me direction. That's all I need is yes or no, and then the rest of this is up to me. Maybe a road sign here or there, something quick and easy to point the way. But what what we really ought to have is the guide himself. Maps, road signs, a few useful phrases are things, but infinitely better is someone who has been there before and knows the way. And she encourages all of us to think of this temptation that we have as we look at 2019 and lay out goals and plans and ideas that we have and things that we want to accomplish, places we want to go, people we want to meet, things that we want to do. The temptation is is to do all of that without asking God first, without taking some time to say, Lord Jesus, if you give me the gift of 
another year to serve you? How would you like me to spend it? Where would you like me to go? What would you like me to accomplish? Who would you like me to meet? Where would you send me in my life? And James says, don't discount God in your life because you matter to him. And he wants to know you. And he wants to be the guide. He wants to be the map. He wants to be the key. He wants to be the ruler by which you measure the distances that you travel in 2019. And it might just be that you want to travel a million miles in 2019. Good thing gas is getting cheaper. (laughs) It may be that God just takes you one, but that's the most important mile in your life you've ever traveled. Don't discount the will of God because your plans are too big for him. Another attitude that James encourages us to avoid is, and this is kind of a no-brainer to disobey the will of God. This is back down to the bottom of that passage, the last verse. Anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. It's sin. James is saying that it may be that you've come to the beginning of this year and you already know where God wants you to go. He wants you to go to him. It may be that you already have come to the beginning of this year and you know where God doesn't want you to go. But you're going to go or be or do that anyway. It may be an attitude that you have and you're going to say, well, Lord, this is just the way I am. And God says, well, that's not the way I am. What about it? And we can just as easily in that part of our spiritual nature say, this is the way it's going to be, God. James says, don't do that. If you know a different way and decide not to follow it, what does he call it? Sin, he calls it what it is. And for so many of us, the temptation is in our own heart, in our own spirit, in our own journey, is is to tell God the way it's going to be. And James says, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I just really wouldn't. I would count God into the middle of what you're going to do. An author by the name of Dr. William Pentagill wrote these words. He said, most people don't want to know the will of God in order to do it. They want to know it in order to consider it. It often takes time to learn just what God wants us to do in any particular matter, but once we know his purpose, we ought not to delay it at the least, beginning to carry it out by his grace. Most people want to know the will of God not in order to do it, just to consider it. And if it meets their approval, then they'll continue on. James says, if you know the way and don't choose to follow it, That's a big mistake. That's disobedience. And that is love and the grace that God wants to impart and give to us as we follow him throughout our life. Third and lastly this morning, we see an attitude. This is the positive direction that God is trying to send us as we worship together this morning, is obeying God's will. And says he just simply says, It's not about a war inside of us. It's about simply assenting to God and saying, Lord, you are Lord, you are God, and I am not. And this is a new year. This is a new step. This is a new journey. It may be a new me or a new depth of relationship with you. And so this year is wide open for me and my relationship with you. And wherever you want to take me, wherever you want to send me, whatever you want to say to me, Lord, this is where I'm going. And this is where I'm going to go with you. 
And it may be, I don't know, I don't know how you're approaching this year. It might be this morning that you're here on the 6th of January 2019 and you have everything mapped out. I mean, you might have already have all your vacations planned for the year. Anyone have all your vacations for the year planned already? A couple of you do. Do you have any vacations planned for the year? Oh, that's a little bit better. Okay, the rest of you, it might be in the will of God to take a vacation. I'm just going to lay it out there. Don't tell them that the pastor said we have to go because then you're just negating the scripture altogether. But we need to make time for rest and recuperation, rejuvenation. And my prayer is, is that you set your heart and mind to those places and those times God makes them special and blessed in every way. But James just simply says, Lord, if you give me breath, if you give me life, I'm going to go wherever you want me to go, say whatever you want me to say, do whatever you want me to do. And so what James is pointing at is, is, a, is a deepening, growing intimacy with God. I've seen it from the very beginning of James when he talks about when things go wrong and things go bad, I don't know that I could start my Christian life out and, and look back and say that there was any time in those early days where I said, thank you, Lord, things are so bad because I know you're going to make me better. I, I just didn't approach my Christian faith in the early years. It was more of like, okay, Lord, I guess if we have to be here, then we're going to make it through this somehow. But after being a Christian for a number of years, I can, even before it comes, even before the storm comes, I'm asking Lord in my heart, say, Lord, what is it you want to teach me? What good is there going to come of this difficult situation or this difficult moment or this troubling relationship or this difficult decision we're going to make? There, there's so much more here to learn than just whether I'm going to get my way or not. There's so much more that you want to do and be and say in me. We've talked a number of times about the less fortunate than us. And one of the accusations that the, our world has today against certain areas of the church is that we are happy, and you know it, and we don't want anyone else to see us show it. I changed the song. Did you catch that? Okay, good. Everyone's still awake. That's good. But that attitude isn't good. James says, if you know, if you're called pure religion, true religion, real Christianity is not smug and nug in your pew on the rug. It is being out there serving and sharing and giving and casting your light and your love upon others. And, and James is trying to say in this year, in this day, in this moment, this gift of the time that God is going to give you this year, if you choose to decide not to allow your heart to be open for the ways that you can minister to those who have so little, we've already learned that's God's desire for us. That's the good that he is calling us to do. Let's not discount the will of God by not making room in our year for giving place to the ministry of those who have so little. That's a place of maturity for some of us to step out of our comfort zones, to step into a place that might be uncomfortable or, or confusing or difficult or even dangerous. And God says, true religion, real faith, real love is called out to those who are needy. To those who have so little. Who did Jesus go to? 
to serve. Now, he called out the hypocrites and he called out the leaders, but he was pretty harsh with them. The places that he went to to bring transformation, to bring healing, to bring love was to the gutter of society, to the places where many people would never want to go or be seen or be seen with. And he chose on purpose because of the love of his Father in heaven to go there. And I wonder, as a part of our following Jesus, that there might be some of us that God is calling to go there in 2019 as we make our plans for this year. Holy Spirit, where in my life does that part of my pure religion fit in? Help us, Lord, to do your will no matter what. There's been a lot of conversation in the book of James about what comes out of our mouth and what's in our heart, and we talked about a lot of that last Sunday, but there is a lot in this book about about the words that we say and the way that we say them. And you can squirm in your pew if you want to. It's okay. I can squirm up here as I stand, and that's okay too. Because we're human, right? Can we all just agree that we're all fallen this morning? We all are going to say things that we regret. We're all going to say things that we would give $1,000 if we had it to take back. We're all going to have attitudes that we wish we didn't have. We're people. We're humans. We're a fallen, broken church like every other church out there. But James says that there is something inside of our hearts that God wants to transform. Remember he talked about the tongue being like a, like a ship's rudder? That small thing out there on the sea that steers an amazing, amazing course? God wants to be that guiding force in our life. And I wonder this morning as we gather together, maybe reflecting on 2018, I can think of several times where I just said, Lord, if I could have that conversation back, that would be amazing. And God says, well, the only thing you have control of is your next conversation. (laughs) And may those be led and blessed and guided by the Spirit of God as we follow him, as we discern his will for our life. And if if we have been spoken to by the word of God with that truth, Peter, that attitude that you have, that spirit that you had in that room was not what it needed to be at the right time, at the right moment. God's not a policeman beating me up. He's saying, child, I want you to be more like me. Will you follow me in this new year into a deeper level of maturity? And we have a decision to make. We can say, that's the way I am. Or we can say, God, make me the way you want me to be. Do we still love each other? All right, all right, let's go. Let's go out and do it, amen? All right, I'm going to close with a poem. I don't usually read poetry, um, but this one was a blessing to me, and then we're going to have the worship team come after that and close us in, I love you, Lord, and we're just going to go out and serve Jesus. This title leads me, leads me real short. He does not lead me year by year, not even day by day, but step by step my path unfolds. My Lord directs my way. Tomorrow's plans I do not know. I only know this minute. But he will say, this is the way. By faith, now walk you in it. And I am glad that it is so. Today's enough to bear. And when tomorrow comes, his grace shall far exceed its care. What need to worry then or fret the God who gave his son? 
holds all my moments in his hand, and he gives them one by one. And this year, God is going to give you moments one by one. We want 2019, all of it, right now. And that's just not the way God works. He guides us step by step, moment by moment. And I'm going to ask you all to stand right now, and I'm going to say a prayer for us as we get ready to tell the Lord how much we love him, that when that moment, opportunity that you and I have to follow him and his will, we'll give it all we have. Lord, we just thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for helping me to understand that passage in a, in a more meaningful way than I ever have understood it before this week. I thank you, Lord, for how you remind us not to discount you from our plans for this year. And Lord, I just pray this morning for each and every one of us in this room that as we dream and we set goals and if we're the resolution type, we make resolutions, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to the direction that you have in this year. Lord, I believe you've got some big plans in store for us both individually and our families and our church. Lord, I'm just excited to imagine, to contemplate this God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or imagine, waiting for us to listen, yearning for us just to be still enough to know that he's God, and then follow this incredible, powerful God into whatever today and tomorrow holds. Lord, we want to count you in. Count us in on what you're going to do. Lord, it may be that we, we have set some things in motion or we had some ideas about what we wanted to do and the, and the, or who we are. It may be, Lord, that we're here this morning with just a spirit that says, this is the way I am and God, you're just going to have to deal with me the way I am. James says, well, that's, really kind of a sin to tell God the way it's going to be instead of asking God to make him the way he wants you to be. Lord Jesus, open our hearts to you today. Maybe the greatest thing that happens in this new year is a transformation on the inside of our attitudes and our approach to God where we realize that we could never accomplish this work or get this kind of grace in our, in our heart or our emotions. But Jesus wants to do something new and special and different that changes everything. All the opportunities, Lord, that you give us to follow you are, are so challenging. But you change everything. And then, Lord, we just ask for your strength as we follow you. Our greatest longing and desire as your people is to know the will of God. Lord, we want to know your next step, and many times we want to know the next 10, but Lord, this morning we're all going to agree that the next step is enough. And Lord, we might be here today, and, and we know what that is. You've already said it in what we've already mentioned this morning. And now, Lord, we need the strength and the courage and the resolve to go out and do the will of God. Lord, You will give us the strength. You will give us the power to do what we could never do on our own. Because the Bible says the power that rose Jesus from the dead is available to each and every one of us through the message and the person of God's Son. 
Lord, whatever it is that we're facing is not too big for you. You're too big for it. And we, Lord, are excited to follow you into whatever step you have for us. Whoever it is you're sending us to, whatever it is you're sending us to go, whatever it is you want to change in us, Lord, whatever your will is, we love you. We love you. And we're all in. We're all in for whatever you have for us. Let's sing together how much we love him today.